0: Welcome to Soul Circus Podcast, where the spirit of Soul Circus Festival comes alive in your ears all year long. In this podcast, we'll be joined by your favorite teachers and thought leaders as we stay curious about what best serves our minds and bodies in this modern world. Together, let's explore the transformative journey of self-discovery, nourishing our souls and finding harmony in every step of life's dance. Today, we welcome Andy Nathan to the Soul Circus Podcast. Andy has been coming to Soul Circus since almost the beginning, and now he's evolved into your men's coach. He'll be giving a men's workshop at Soul Circus this year, and we are so excited to delve into more of men's leadership and mentorship opportunities. Welcome, Andy. Um, all right, so we are welcoming Andy Nathan to the Soul Circus podcast. Welcome, Andy.
1: Hey, thank you for having me
0: of course thank you for being here you have been here i feel like from the start were you not at the first soul circus
1: no i came in um i came in year year two i think
0: okay so basically the beginning andy yeah honestly and it's what's been really great is that i feel like i've been able to despite the fact that like you and i don't know each other well i've been able to see your growth by the way that you show up at every soul circus
1: yeah, it's been amazing how it's how it's kind of grown and evolved. But that's that's what happens with us, isn't it? Over time we do mm-hmm. grow and our interests change and you get to see how people develop new skills. And the festival has done the same though as well, hasn't it? I mean, oh my God, love it.
0: I know. I know. We've been through many, many different iterations. Um, and we're grateful that you've always found a space with us.
1: Yeah, for sure. I love it.
0: Can you give our listeners just a little bit of background on who you are, what you do and then what you're kind of focusing on now?
1: Yeah so my name's Andy Nathan and you can find me on social as Andy J Nathan and uh, I live in Edinburgh in the UK in Scotland um, and I am a coach. I'm a life and leadership coach and I'm specializing in working with, with men now but my background in terms of the wellness world is. I've been a yoga and meditation teacher for uh, for seven years. They were the previous incarnations that um, that I was at Soul Circus with. I was leading the first kirtans at Soul Circus, um, and my work has basically evolved over time to to helping people who who are like me. So what I'm focusing on now is, as I'm sure we're going to kind of talk about, is really helping men step back into their power in a way that means that everyone that they con they come into contact with in their families and their careers in their communities benefits from them you know because mm. there's a lot there's a lot of challenges with being a man there's a lot of challenges with masculinity in the world and you know I've, I've been there I've experienced that firsthand and it's it's my journey that makes me I believe uniquely qualified to do this work. You know, particularly in terms of like the trauma work that I've had to do myself, and then the qualifications that I've done, um, and the embodiment and somatic work that I've I've become qualified in, as well as well as the coaching work I've been doing for the last four and a bit years. Uh, and that together just means that this is where I'm at now. So from yoga to this, I mean, it's a cliche, right? How many yoga teachers become coaches? So many, but there's a reason for it.
0: Hmm. I mean, honestly, it kind of lends itself, right? Especially when you are teaching yoga. It's yoga isn't just the physical asanas that we do. Yoga is an entire lifestyle, and I think that's something that people don't always remember. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and so and I, it does lend itself into coaching.
1: Yeah, and I read I read something this morning um, on LinkedIn because you know you got to be on LinkedIn if you're working with yeah. men, right? And, um, and it was the the founder of Netflix said most of the most of the you know the most successful entrepreneurs and business owners um, didn't get the the great success that they're renowned for with the first thing that they started out doing in business Mm -hmm. so what that demonstrates is that there's always an evolution we know this in life you know we grow and change but there's also an evolution in in how someone is a business owner is it an entrepreneur right you know how many different careers is it possible to have in a lifetime so I think there's something in that part it's like the journey of being human as well our evolution
0: yep I would totally agree um, my question for you Andy is what triggered this kind of focus on masculinity was it you kind of working on your own traumas that kind of triggered it or was there something specific
1: I think it was it was a combination of things um as it can be for a lot of people little things adding up you know when i talk to when i talk to men um in like a coaching container you know, whether it's about a career or a relationship or you know um or an argument or something or like a fitness challenge they've got or a health challenge they've got it's little things that add up and for me it was years and years of dysfunction in all of my relationships and Mm. I was able to kind of mask it with certain people in certain areas of my life quite well Mm. but you know it it was there was just a lot of reactivity which I now understand is about you know is about trauma it's about having a very dysregulated nervous system because of stuff Mm. that's happened in childhood and then in my early adulthood but at the time I didn't understand that so it really you know, the stuff, the little things started adding up because I didn't understand what was going on. And I didn't understand that I wasn't able to take responsibility and own what was going on because I didn't feel that I had any control over it.
0: Right.
1: And the more that I explored the trauma work, in addition to the yoga that I was doing and being taught, I realized that there was so much of my experience that wasn't captured on a yoga mat and while yoga is a lifestyle um, I think there's my experience is understanding the brain as I do like you know 95% of our thoughts repeat every day Mm -hmm. 90% are negative we have up to 70,000 thoughts a day our brain is wired to scan for threats there's such things as cognitive bias where we're always looking for threats and confirmation bias where we're we're looking to back up our beliefs by Finding evidence that they're true around us, that stuff, as much as Patanjali can cover that a little bit, that stuff, we also need help to unpick that because there's so much in our unconscious, in our subconscious. You know, at least 90% of what runs a show for human beings is their subconscious. You can't mm-hmm. you can't stuff out like on a meditation cushion and you can't figure that out by yoga teacher, you know, telling you to just let it go. You know, that actually, when there's significant trauma involved, and most people don't realize they that they're experiencing it, but the dysfunction in their careers and their relationships and their habits and their addictions will will bear that out. So that was really, it just got to a point where I needed to do more. And as soon as I started getting support and getting into coaching myself and particularly then doing work with men and, and getting involved in men's groups and men's circles, and some of it was great and some of it was like, oh, I really mm-hmm. don't like that. I realized that like men don't have a place to, men don't have a place to to work on themselves in the company of men right? in a, in a way that is comfortable for them. Like it's not comfortable for anyone to do this work, right? You know, to do mm-hmm. the, the, like the self-reflection and figure out what's going on. But particularly I found that it was either, you know, men playing drums in circles, like getting uber spiritual and being just not, not really living with accountability and integrity kind of talking the talk but not walking the walk or the opposite which is like men being hyper kind of hyper aggressive and running around like half naked like all vegans are wankers and blah 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 blah. (laughs) and um and I realized that I kind of fitted somewhere in the middle where Mm. um and and men are just not being served like that and being a man is fucking complicated excuse my french there
0: <laughs> and don't mind and don't mind my dog sorry he might, being, he, might bar- he might make a few bark. he might make a few barks
1: <laughs> being a man is complicated right because you know who who teaches us how to be a man who teaches us right or wrong is it you know is it and uh, do we get this information from our mums And if we do get this information from our mums, particularly if we've got emotionally or physically absent fathers, are our mums, you know, parenting on, you know, what a man, how a man needs to be a man from their wounding unconsciously, or are they parenting from a really enlightened place understanding what it is that a man needs to become?
0: Well, and from there, and from sorry to interrupt, but as a parent, I can tell you that it's it's very difficult to separate your own traumas and your generational traumas from how you're parenting your child, right? Especially if you're parenting the other sex. Yeah, um, it's like I'm I'm not a man, so I can't teach you from my femininity how to be masculine. I can only teach you how I would want you to treat a female.
1: Exactly yeah exactly and which is absolutely perfect i mean there's nothing wrong with that right and and so you know and the parenthood thing is a fascinating thing anyway i mean that has got to be the hardest job in the world and the only oh training you get, the only training you get is you know you being a child and everybody else who always has an opinion on what you could be doing differently right oh my God. And, and and this is the thing right there's no handbook for life we just we just brought up And then we're spat out into the world and maybe we go through like institution, you know, an educational institution for a few years. Maybe we go through like a specific kind of career or training. But who teaches a man how to be a man who teaches a man like what anger is, how to process anger, who teaches a man the difference between anger and aggression, who teaches the man about, you know, connecting to emotion and safe vulnerability without it being like this kind of vulnerability which feminizes a man and turns him into the kind of man that his female best friends and mum want him to be. Right. You know, there's so much complexity in that. And who teaches a man how to be a leader? Who teaches a man how to be resilient, how to get back up and keep going, you know, to face fear
0: right. and
1: right. really do hard things. And, and I, do,
0: I don't think society has any of those role models. I mean, even if you look at pop culture, right and and this is again something i experienced when i came into parenting and my husband came into a parent role was you know i could look at movies and, and influencers on instagram showing me how to be a mother but there were never anything that was showing him how to be a father you know and even even his own father couldn't really tell him that and, and it was like i felt actually really bad because he had no guidelines and he had to figure it out. But what he did do is he got curious and he was willing to ask questions. And do you think that's the starting point for most men is to just get curious about themselves as opposed to starting with, oh, I need to get vulnerable. Like, is it that kind of wording that's different or what do you think?
1: That's such a great, that is such a great question. I mean, I think the vulnerability thing is always a huge a huge turn off for men understandably because you know it's it's still it's still a work in progress for me and it is for every man i've ever worked with and every you know even every male psychologist neuroscientist that i work with as coaches and mentors you know it's still that that programming is so deep like archetypically the vulnerability equals weakness right? everyone Everyone on some level understands that. I mean, if you go into the animal kingdom, you're vulnerable. Yeah, you're gonna be you're gonna be picked up by a predator, right? I mean, it's like literally hardwired into our brains. So, um, yeah, I think if you know if if you know if you're listening, if you're a man or if you you know you've got a significant man in your life, and they are not where they want to be, and they don't know what to do about it, then absolutely getting curious is the is is it it's like you know where can i where can i find men that might be able to help me understand myself a bit more the obvious thing is articles podcasts like this you know maybe finding workshops or something to go to um but i would say you know podcasts and books are probably the easiest thing to kind of get into without then having to like face another man and, you know, then what are you going to say? Like, where do you start? How If you can't connect your emotions or you can't understand why you were, you know, running your business into the ground or you're overworking and not spending any time with your partner or whether, you, you know, why you're avoiding sex or whatever you're going through. You know, if you don't understand where that's coming from, it's going to be hard to talk about it. So listening to podcasts where where men just talk about this stuff normally just to start to normalize the experience of what it is to be a man, which is many different things. Um, mm-hmm. That's probably a good place to start. So curiosity, definitely. Long answer yes. to a short question.
0: <laughs> no, that was um, a wonderful answer. I think, cause I think getting curious and also curating your, and you have to correct me if I'm wrong, but like curating what media you're consuming, right? And uh, what you deem acceptable because yeah. those upholding those boundaries, I think is hard right because you want to feel accepted by certain groups of men to feel masculine but at the same time you can recognize that that's not who you want to be
1: yeah and you know like like we were talking about at the top of the show right um it's a journey so so it's absolutely appropriate to kind of say you know what i'm just going to focus on this for this month or the next couple of months and therefore i'm going to kind of mute these kind of voices or this kind of energy Particularly if it's something that's triggering you, it's getting you upset, it's making you feel more reactive or more insecure. You know, I would also say if that's happening later on in your journey, it's an absolute invitation to lean into that and see what's going on. But, but you know, if you're at the beginning of your journey um, or it's it's getting in the way of you really making progress in terms of understanding yourself, just mute stuff. Absolutely. And, you know, that's like the classic yoga practice pratyahara isn't it it's just like we have a finite amount of energy and we we often forget because distraction is is one of the greatest tools for us to avoid our pain or our discomfort of being human our existential angst of what's happening in the world or you know what's happening in my relationship or how can i be a good father or how can i earn more money distraction is a great way of avoiding that but also distraction takes that energy and stops us being able to focus and then stops us being able to if we can't focus and we're distracted we can't make the progress on the challenges we've got to see the progress to feel like we're becoming better men better human beings so anything that we can do to spend more time focusing on less things Mm -hmm. more consciously is going to be helpful and breath work and meditation like having some kind of routine each day like that stuff is, is still essential for me like journaling sitting quietly my meditation practice is wildly different to 10 years ago like 10 years ago I'd be like exactly. half an hour, or I'd be you know there'd be times when I'd be doing like chanting with a harmonium for an hour and now it's like you know I kind of my meditation practice is I get up in the morning at you know at 6 30 before rage. And you know clean the cat litter i make you know wash the bowls up i make them food i make myself some water i make myself some cacao I journal i sit quietly and breathe you know that for me is all mm-hmm. com- quiet focus time you know a single point of focus on just being present with whatever i'm doing and then it gives me an opportunity to kind of you know when i'm journaling it's like what's going on for me today and in in those in those In those habits that we can cultivate over time through curiosity and like you say focusing on less things and tuning out things that trigger us that's Mm -hmm. when we get to actually understand how we're doing it's like we get to take our own temperature properly by slowing down which is what all of these distractions are stopping us doing
0: yeah yeah no that's very that's very true um meditation doesn't have to look like sitting on a pillow in silence, right? It can be walking your dog in the morning, just like you said. And I think that's like another, that's another kind of uh, stereotype that we need to break out of. That it's like, it has to look a specific way for it to count.
1: Yeah. And there, you know, like I'm, I'm gonna go a bit yogic on you for a second. Cause I know this is, you know, this is soul circus, right? But you know, Pataji talks about the difference between um, Dhyana and Dharana. And Dhyana is this kind of, we're trying to get our focus back you know just bringing it back it might be like focusing on your footsteps or you know the bird song or the breath you know the feel the the cool air on your face if you're walking your dog you know it's bringing your awareness back more and more to a single point of focus and then Dharma is like that point where we're like okay i'm in here i'm locked in and i'm just gonna i'm just gonna be present with this and just screen everything else out and and you know, when we can do that, we get. I mean, it's this state of flow, right? That's what these yeah. high performance coaches talk about. This state of flow. It's when we're really present. And you know, if we can if we can learn to be comfortable with a teeny bit more discomfort, which is what we all try and avoid as humans, because the brain is like, oh, I'm not in my comfort zone anymore. Of my habits <laughs> and my patterns, and picking up my phone and checking my messages, and you know, blah 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 blah. If I'm not in that habit, it but the brain's thinking something terrible is going to happen but in reality what's happening is it's a recalibration of the the, the neural pathways and the nervous system which if you repeat mm-hmm. you get program and guess what over time if you repeat long enough you get new habits like yeah. it's how, the brain, it's how the brain works
0: yeah and it's funny that you say that getting into a state of flow because immediately where my brain went was high performance athletes yeah. Right. And I think God, there's a, a book called, I think, the inner game of tennis. And they talk about how coach this one coach is just trying to get tennis players into a state of flow because it's a mental game. Yeah. Right. And in order to be this high performance athlete, they have to have strong mental game. Right. They have to be yeah. strong yeah. mentally. And yeah. it's like connecting those two dots where it's like if you are focused, if you do find your own flow, you can perform in all aspects of your life. So it's again, just like pivoting how we talk about it for men yeah. that is yeah. less feminine in the way that it's been presented for the last, I don't know, like 20 years.
1: I love that. I, and I think actually that's, you raise a good point. I think, you know, there are so many commentators in the mental health space that that speak with a, a like a very feminine energy about what men need to do in terms of vulnerability and um and like our brains and our nervous systems are different our bodies like we have different hips our breasts are different you know there's so many differences that i i agree i think the languaging and the invitational side of it does have to be different but again you know men are going to be at different points of their journeys you know some men are going to be like over you know maybe over masculine whatever that might mean some might be I overtly feminine, depending on their life story. So it's I think it's you know, it's a journey for everyone really to come back to being essentially being the man you know you're capable of being. Um that that's what I would say about that.
0: Yeah. I want to come back to language just quickly because I want to address toxic masculinity, that phrase. Yeah can we can you tell us a little bit about why that's just not the great the best use of language and what the preferred language is around masculinity and peril i guess
1: yeah i mean i th- i would come at it from the perspective of the, the energy of the energy of the word toxic when someone is labeled as toxic i mean Everyone's a fucking therapist now because there are so many therapists on Instagram. Everyone likes screenshots things and they're like, oh, my ex was a narcissist. And, you know, there's this stuff is highly nuanced. And if you, you know, if you think about this idea of a spectrum, everybody's on some kind of spectrum, right? Whether it's an autistic spectrum or some other kind of spectrum, everyone has had micro traumas in their lives, across their lives, and they've responded and reacted differently according to whatever suited their needs at the time in order to survive right and so this term toxic and i don't remember the context of it i wish i'd done my research and you know said this is actually where it came from first because i i have a vague recollection but i'm not going to speak from a place of not knowing because that would just be a waste of everyone's time but you could google the origins of that and what that original the person who originally said that actually what he believes about that now because i know I know it's been taken out of context and I know that there are there's a different belief and different feeling about about that. But the word toxic in itself, I have to say to you, Christina, I think you're really toxic. What that does and Jay Shetty talks about this beautifully, says when we label something as good or bad, like it has no chance to be anything other than that. So if we label something as bad, that's it. Like you are bad. There is something fundamentally wrong with you. That's actually what shame is. Shame is this 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 belief that deep down we are flawed. We're broken in some way. Like I'm unworthy. I'm undeserving. There's something fundamentally wrong with me that is different to everybody else. And that is like the deepest, darkest emotion that we feel. When we say that somebody or a gender is toxic, we are shaming them. You know, it's no better than slut shaming, it's no better than queer shaming, it's no better than fat shaming, you know, it's the same. And if we want to live in a society which, you know, where everybody um, is is given a chance, everyone who uses language needs to take some fucking accountability for mm-hmm. the words that they use and understand, understand what they mean. And if they don't, it's OK. No problem, yeah. just get curious.
0: Yeah. Get curious. Yeah.
1: You know, there is a vast amount of information on the internet. Um, but in terms of toxic masculinity, you know, we, we have we have a lot of um a lot of wounding in the world, a lot of hurt people in the world, right? Some of them are in positions of power, some of them um are celebrities, some of them uh on the internet. And when when we don't heal our wounds, you know, we bleed, we bleed onto other people intentionally and unintentionally, consciously and unconsciously. And if, you know, if someone has got a masculine wound from an absent, emotionally absent or physically absent father, and this is a very high level, like it's far more nuanced than this. You know if there has been abuse if there has been violence or anything else even if it's just verbal abuse it could be that you know there was a, a father figure or a masculine role model or even a father that just took no interest in you or was always shouting or was always getting into a rage you know nowadays that would be called toxic masculinity in fact it's trauma you know it's someone that you know it's someone just bleeding their unconscious shit onto other people it's generation it's dna it's ancestral stuff right and if you think about two or three generations ago you know these people lived through a war right and then the depression afterwards and five generations ago a war then a depression then another war then a depression you know this constant state of you know are we going to survive are we not going to survive is there enough money you know you my my partner's grandfather or great-grandfather got sent to Australia he was Scottish. got sent to Australia for stealing a loaf of bread that's how Australia was populated you know that could be toxic masculinity but what it actually is is if we look at um if we look at say the key are the key four archetypes that Gillette and Moore um have developed from from Carl Jung's work what it is it's it's uh, a, like a shadow Jung would call it the shadow a shadow aspect of masculinity so it's a part that has not been loved and accepted by the person it's something that they don't want other people to see maybe it's that they've got a temper maybe it's that they can um they're quite controlling it's something that they haven't resolved or have got support for and so it it kind of comes out in a in a reactive way. it comes out in a way that is overly dominant or overly controlling that's just an example right And so these aspects of our psyche unchecked can cause a lot of damage, you know, to ourselves, first of all, if we're we're perpetuating that, but also to everyone around us. And it's easy to lame that as as toxic because what it what it does, then it just kind of pushes it onto that person. Of course, that person needs to be accountable and have responsibility for that. But it also does the opposite of what we need in the same way that incarceration. As a process does you know it it pushes that problem off into a corner and expects the problem to fix itself it's a much broader issue into science thing. and it's how do we help men be the fathers that they need to be how do we help men become leaders that they need to be how do we help men become mentally and emotionally resilient like you say so that they can really lead they can create great things in the world they can lead their communities they can support they can help create a society along with you know the the women and the the people of other genders so that we can all kind of create a fair and equitable society we can only do that if you know if men are allowed to learn you know through trial and error If, if men are allowed to fail but pick themselves up and become better if we're constantly shaming men in the same way if you're constantly shaming a child or an animal, you know, you're not going to learn if you're constantly being shamed. You're kept in that cycle. Again, coming back to the Jay Shetty quote, if you label something as bad, it has no opportunity to be anything other than that. So we all we all need to grow. We all need to understand that like, our perception, our worldview Has everything to do with our experience and we have a choice we have a choice as to the language that we use we have a choice Mm -hmm. as to whether we you know we choose different thoughts whether we challenge our thinking or whether we keep believing our thoughts you know all of this is a choice but because of the way the brain works and because of the way that most of our programming is unconscious most of us are still living unconsciously we're picking up information confirmation bias it fits a worldview that we have or it fits a wound that we have or it fits you know um, a memory of a situation that didn't go well for us and mm-hmm. we like that to be the truth it's what the brain does
0: yeah and so, and <laughs> bernie brown said something really interesting that i hold to myself quite often is that people are really hard to hate close-ups right yeah. and so that is another invitation and i think we're just going to call this podcast title getting curious because that's an invitation for us to get curious about others and their experiences to understand their positions better.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you if you sit down like a, a bunch of people with a completely opposing worldviews and, you know, you give them, you know, you give them a task of speaking and listening. And this is like a classic um, relationship therapeutic tool. Um, and it's called like a a connect a connection practice where somebody speaks and they they speak about their experience for five minutes and the other person just listens and they listen from their heart and then what they do is they they repeat back as best they can their understanding of what the other person says and allow the other person to clarify whether that was what they meant or not and then you know that take may take another five minutes and then they swap and at the end of that process you you get to see that even though you know there are so many lifestyle factors that are going to be different fundamentally this there is a huge amount of similarity you know there are there are five core needs that every human being has like from being a being a newborn baby to when they die we all need we all need to have um a sense of belonging we all need a sense of significance We all need to experience empathy. We all need to experience acknowledgement and we all need validation. Yeah. We all have those needs. Right. And those unmet needs are at the core of all of the challenges that we face in our relationships, in the workplace, in society, because on some level, someone's not feeling heard or they're not feeling seen or not feeling important. They don't feel like they belong. And guess what? If you don't feel like you belong, what happens? You know, this The hero's journey, this archetypal story of like, you know, what can happen? You look at, you know, look at Darth Vader as an example from the Star Wars pantheon, right? He was Anakin Skywalker, right? He didn't feel significant. He didn't feel like he fitted in. And so he, his rage was 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 kind of taken. And he had a, a mentor who encouraged him to go to the dark side because of all of this rage. You know, we've got to be careful of who we hang out with as well. Definitely. Jim Ray- and say you know you're the you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with yeah that's life right there you know that's that's your life that's your future that's how your parent that's how that's your worldview. that's your career that's how much money you're going to earn it's all of that
0: yeah and you know there i can only speak for the us because i only have those numbers in front of me but one in seven men in the united states doesn't have a single friend there is a it's an actual friendship crisis that we're experiencing in the last say 30 years mm. people have less friends than they used to and so those five things that you talked about right belonging being validated being part of a community all of those things it we're having this friendship crisis right and why why is this happening would you have any thoughts or ideas because I know I just sprung this on you <laughs>
1: um I mean it's yeah I mean it's all down to it's all down to childhood conditioning and environmental conditions you know what was going on for those what was going on for those men in the most formative years of their life you know Mm -hmm. how was it for them to socialize what kind of messages did they get at home and at school and in society how were they how were their? um maybe you know maybe they were different in some way how was that met how was that received how was that encouraged or how was that shut down um you know men famously have to be on their knees before they seek support like famously it's just like it's like almost like a joke in the men's mm-hmm. in the men's work community but but even even more so men have men carry so much freaking shame because you know they you know their life should be further ahead they should know better i should know better I should be a better man because guess what they can see other people doing things that they want to be doing and they internalize that maybe it's because The messages they're internalizing and their interpretation of what they feel their caregivers thought about them or felt about them maybe it is what they were told by their caregivers Mm -hmm. that they thought or felt about them or their teachers but whatever it is men men tend to internalize this and um and as a result that when you experience shame again there's something wrong with me i'm not good enough that's like the fundamental belief When you experience that it's the darkest emotion naturally what happens when you experience that is you withdraw you go into a depressed state you shut down you know the shutter the armor comes up the shutters go down in in that state are you likely to you know just smile at strangers at the bus stop and just make idle conversation with people or are you likely to think these people think i'm a piece of shit, i'm worthless i'm just going to stay away right that my guess is that it's a huge it's probably an epidemic of shame caused by um unhealed childhood wounds that is i would say that's a pretty good guess
0: yeah yeah i would i would have to agree i just i feel like we as a society need to protect our young men right so that this doesn't continue right so i know i've i'm working with some other people on how do we create a community for men and specifically around veterans right how do we get them together so that they have friends yeah um because i feel like we've neglected the men right we focused a lot on women not that you know women's rights aren't something that we should also think about but in doing uh, so we've completely pushed men to the side
1: yeah and i mean that's i i love that you're doing that work i love that how, and how are you going about that are you asking asking men what they need are you asking them what kind of things are going to be helpful for them where they're you know where they're challenged and. I'm guessing that's that's what you're doing. And, and how's yeah. that work? I'd love to know. I'd love to understand yes. more.
0: So we're specifically, um, as my husband's in the military, I'm specifically yes. working with veterans a lot of the time. So yes. it's finding activities that make them feel like they belong, but also that raise adrenaline that makes them feel like they're back into what may be like a combat zone, right? Because it has to do with adrenaline and cortisol levels, right? To make them feel like they're doing something that's worthy, right? So it's finding the right partners, the right nonprofit partners who are doing that, say mountain biking, sailing, and yeah. inviting them to come to those activities yeah. um, with people who have similar backgrounds.
1: Yeah, I love that. That's incredible. And you know, that's essentially that's, that's the, the essence of, of, um, of like how, in, how embodiment work can be very effective for men. And embodiment work is essentially being super fucking present in your body and just noticing what's going on. All right. That's the basics of that's the basics of it. It's hugely therapeutic and it be, can be done in many different ways, but absolutely men need to, you know, in the same way that women need to connect to their bodies in order to really connect uh, every aspect of them, whether it's their wildness, whether it's their cycle, whether it's softness, what, whether it's um, their intuition, whatever it is that a woman needs to do. You know, there's a lot more information about that in the world, isn't there? Um, but for men, absolutely, it really is about, you know, I always um, invite men to uh, to take up weightlifting if they're not doing that, uh, because you, they can really connect to grief and frustration and anger with that um, cold water immersion, cold water swimming, because they can, they can deal with stress and anxiety, it builds up the nervous system, expands the nervous system. So this idea of getting men together to play, like getting them to go on play dates, like they would have done as boys. They'd have ridden their bikes, right? They'd have gone hiking, they'd have climbed trees. That, it it, it actually is as simple as that. It's like, it's bringing, bringing the boy out in them. It's kind of, it's it, it's like using inner child work, but in a slightly different way. It's bringing the boy out of them to help them experience fun, to help them connect back to, to joy because god if you are if you did a survey of people like how how much do you allow yourself to experience joy really how many opportunities do you give yourself to experience joy versus subtly finding a problem or just thinking that something's not good enough or moaning about the weather or not having enough food in the fridge or having a tummy ache or having a headache or like the hair not looking great or not having the right clothes like how much are we constantly because guess what the brain's doing this sabotaging ourselves from experiencing joy and play like you're saying that sounds amazing encouraging men to come together with other people who've got that background right so it'll be shared experience but they won't have to talk about their feelings but they'll know that these men know that's enough for a lot of the time it's like company it's like brotherhood and they get to go on adventures and do fun stuff i love that more of that
0: yeah We're working on it. We're working on it. Cause I, I feel really, I feel really empowered by it. Um, because I know if, if everyone, if everyone's happy, if everyone's experiencing joy and doing things that light themselves up, their energy changes and then my energy changes, right? Because like, we're all, we're all part of the same system, right? And we, if we lift up others, we lift up ourselves as well. Right. So it's kind of a bigger, it's a bigger, bigger project for the world
1: it is i love that and can i can i add something to that is that okay so in addition in addition to you know to you doing that to be of service because you know it benefits you as well it's also um you know there's also something else in that i'm just losing my train of thought and thinking what was i going to say there i think it's um it's also what's also important and um and this is this is like a kind of a a female archetypal behavior that comes out. There's also a lot of validity in, um, and I know you know this, there's a lot of validity in giving people permission to struggle, giving per- people permission to have a hard time and not to leave them alone and say, go deal with that on your own, but to say, hey, listen, I see your struggle and I'm here for you, but I want you to know that you've got this and that you can. You can find a way through this because, particularly for men, part of part of this this idea of becoming, you know, a warrior, one of these archetypes that Gillette Gillette Moore um, have created, this idea of becoming like this enlightened warrior is the ability to to navigate real challenge, not just to lean into fear, but to walk through fear, to see fear as a green light, to see challenge and pain as an invitation. And um, and I think there's a there's a subtle difference with like the feminine and masculine approach to this. The feminine approach might be to encourage and to mother. And by the way, I'm not saying this is what you're doing at all, but actually like a really healthy masculine approach to this. And this is why, you know, men's work with men is gonna be subtly different to men's work with women. Like a masculine approach would be, okay, good, this is hard. How can you grow? How can you help this make you stronger? What can you learn about yourself through this process of pain and disruption and discomfort? And how can you have a man man with, honestly, the amount of times I've had men sending me messages saying, Andy, you have no idea what it means to hear a man say, you've got this and I'm proud of you. You know, it's something that-
0: It's that simple. It can be that simple.
1: And it's but that's what's missing. I mean, you know, the masculine is all about acknowledgement and validation and leadership and guidance. And that, you know, acknowledgement and validation are two of the things that we need. Mm -hmm. Every human being needs when you when you genuinely hear that from someone's heart and they're just seeing you. They're seeing you in all of your glory and all of your struggle in everything. And they say, Christina, you know what? I, I see you i see your life at the moment i see how it's playing out i see how you're showing up and i'm so proud to know you like i'm so proud yeah when that comes from the heart it's like wow i'm you know you're being met by someone's heart
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and i mean it's a removal of all ego
1: and it's the opposite of it's the opposite of shaming someone it's the opposite of putting someone in a box and saying you are this or you are that and then they're not they're not allowed out of that box which by the way we all do this I still do that you know that's a work in progress right we do still label people might not be toxic but we might think oh that person that person said that to me I'm going to give them a wide berth well you know they might be on a really bad day that would be a really lovely person right but
0: yeah yeah, Andy, as we near the end, I wanted to give you an opportunity to address any topics that we haven't yet. This is kind of like the end of the yoga practice where if we haven't covered something in class, you can do that position now. So is there something that we yeah. haven't touched on today that you really want our audience to hear?
1: Well, I think um, as we worked on, if we worked on a core, we worked on our hamstrings, our shoulders and the chest, I think we're just gonna go for, we go for the equivalent of our one finger, little finger, one handed handstand in the middle of the room for five minutes, just as a little finisher. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I think, I think what I'd like, what I'd like to share is if you're listening to this and you're thinking, uh yeah, that sounds like me, if you're a man or if you're a woman listening to this thinking, you know what, it would be really cool if the significant man, you know, my partner, my brother, my friend understood more of what andy does i've got a podcast called you've got this um which you can find on all major streaming services it's not just about men's work it's about being human and the brain and how we cope with life but i will be doing a workshop a men's workshop at soul circus um in the crime yoga tent on the saturday afternoon at five o'clock um michael james wong has kindly donated the space so that i can connect with you know the the male teachers, um, partners, boyfriends, any men that are on site that really want to connect with other men and understand what it is to be a man. You know, they've got their own idea of what it is to be a man, but it's really seeing how we can, how we can create inspiration. And like you said, you know, get some good, joyful energy going. You know, it's not just, it's not really going to be like a deep talk about your feelings kind of thing. It's going to be, how can every man that that leaves that space, walk away feeling empowered. And secondly, um, just in case it's of interest to anybody, I I have a special men's program which starts in September called The Man. And you can find out about that by sending me an email, andy at andynathan.co.uk, or um, just sending me a DM on uh, on socials.
0: We'll also include all of that information in the description of this episode of the podcast. So it's super easy for everyone to find and or forward. Thank you so much, Andy. Is there final thoughts? Go.
1: (laughs) The only other thing I would say is that wherever you are, you know, in your journey, whether you're beating yourself up, whether you're struggling to figure out what's going on, whether you think there's something wrong with you, um, just know that this is, this is part of the process and that sounds like such an Instagram ugh, kind of meme thing for me to say but yes yes it you know feel your feelings and know that whatever you're going through it's part of the process and my invitation to you would be to say what is your experience right now trying to teach you you know what is the wisdom, what's the treasure in your current experience, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent? Mm-hmm. And um and what can you do to f- to be grateful for one piece of learning that you've got? You know, how can you find something that is really meaningful and powerful for you from that?
0: In short, get curious. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again, Andy. I'm so looking forward to seeing you again in August at Soul Circus. Thank you. Of course. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of the Soul Circus Podcast. If you learned something new, please like, review, and share this podcast. We would appreciate it so much. We look forward to having you on the next episode of the Soul Circus Podcast. See y'all.